wanna, uh, I just want to say um, we have an incredible man of God coming today, uh, Pastor Emmy Vasquez of Excel Church. Man, you guys can give it up for him. Come on. Um, I just would like, uh, he is a church planner. He just planted Excel Church. And uh, Pastor Emmy, I think it would be good if you shared a couple of stories just to kind of tell him what's going on with you guys. And um, man, he is a powerful preacher. Uh, he's a man of God, and uh, we just are blessed to have um, a gift, really, today for our SNL service. And uh, he is just the, the best, man. I get to personally talk to him. He's a, he's a friend. He's like my mentor. He's a leader to me. He's one of my pastors, really. And uh, it's going to be awesome. And uh, he's also just a straight-up thug, so uh, it's going to be sick. So I need an Instagram picture with you so it boosts my street cred later. But... Anyways, uh, without further ado, hey, can everybody stand and let's honor our man of God and our pastor, Emmy Vasquez. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You may be seated. Hopefully they redefine nowadays what a thug is. That's where I'm from. That's not good. <laughs> I love that kid. <laughs> Am I on? Yeah, I'm on. Hey, man, I, was, I, I try not to uh, uh, watch people worship because I want to fall in worship myself. I was looking around. I said, man, these guys are really in love with God. Look at them. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. I, just, I started looking around. I said, man, I could just use this group to start another church right here. This, <laughs> all you need is some passion. Yeah, some people who are in love with God, you'd turn things upside down. You really would. And I know Pastor Derek Fry is tremendously blessed to have you people in here. I, I don't know what I'm about to do. Yeah, how many people are ready for something? Yeah, I'm expecting. I'm expecting. Let me actually do what he recommended. I'll give you some updates. The last time I was here, you guys know that we were in the process or about to launch a church and plan a church, which we did on February 2nd. And we, yeah, praise God for that, um, <laughs> that stressful time. No, it was wonderful. And then we launched the church, and we had, um, we had a good outcome. Um, God honored it, and we were prepared, and um, we did our part, and God did his. And we did the preparation, and God brought a level of manifestation, and we had uh, 377 people show up on day one. So, yeah, that was... Um, that was good. Um, we had 30 people give their lives to the Lord for the first time on day one. I don't know how long you've been doing this, but that's bananas. Yeah, in one service. And that was a good uh, percentage of people who gave their lives to the Lord for the first time. And then roughly around 17 people. Let me not act like I don't know the numbers roughly. There were 17 people who rededicated their lives to Christ. <laughs> I'm a metrics guy. I actually know who was there and how many people. Our second service, we had uh, 217 people show up, and that's typical. We actually were 8% higher than what the projected numbers were, because normally you would get like 50% that would return, and we were at uh, 58%. So that was really, really good. We had uh, an additional uh, uh, 17 people give their lives to the Lord for the first time. Um, up until last week, we had another six people give their lives to the Lord. So, and then today, today, 
Today we had 254 people show up, so this is our fourth Sunday. And so based on my numbers and some metrics, um, we're actually going up a little bit higher. So God has been tremendously good. I don't know what he's doing in that city called Lancaster, but he's doing something. And up to this point, it's been, uh, it's just, I've just been in awe of what God is doing. Remember people, yeah, sometimes you, you know, we play a role in helping God fulfill his plan in the earth, but it's never about us. Yeah, your pastor sent me a text. Do you want me to read it to you with my phone? No, I left it in the back. <laughs> He said, Emmy, remember, you're a pastor, not a popularist. <laughs> That's good. You got to have tough skin to receive something like that. He said, give them who God gave, sent you to be. You're not here for, to, to win a vote from them. It's about giving them what God gave you to give to them. And then, yeah, that's why you want good leadership around your life, because you can't make it to the next stage in your life by yourself. You need people to empower you, to encourage you. And I'm just blessed to have Connect by my side as we move forward. So. Yeah, it's, it's been a tremendous blessing. So thank you, guys. And we will continue to do life together. Yeah, amen. Amen. You know I don't have to invite God here because he's already here. Yeah, some of you may not realize that. How many, how many people in here saved? Like you gave your life over to the Lord. I'm actually doing a poll right now. So if you gave your life to Jesus, raise your hand. Yeah, I'm looking. Okay, good. Uh, obviously, with me being a guest, and, and sometimes depending on when you like the guests coming in, you start inviting people to come and things of that nature. So sometimes we run the risk, even with a believer's meeting like this, and most people being saved, you might have a couple of people sprinkled in the crowd who may not know who Christ is. Uh, not personally, I and mean, when I say know him, everybody knows him. People know of him historically, but you may not personally know him. And so I'm always conscious of those people that are in the building because I know what it's like to be you and I try not to ever forget. Yeah, because it keeps me sensitive to who you are. And to me right now, with all due respect to people who are saved, they are more important to me than you. Did I just say that? Yeah, they, <laughs> they, are, they are more important to me than you. One time I, um, my son got off the bus and when he got off the bus, he actually didn't get off the bus. I, I went outside to go see I said, oh, Evan's coming off, and I went to look, and Evan didn't get out the bus, and everybody else's child got off the bus except mine. And my heart hit the floor, and the bus closed the door, and they started driving down the street, and a brother like me just ran after the bus. <laughs> and I was like, where's my son? And they just kept driving, and I was like, oh my God, where's Evan? And I don't know about you, if you've ever lost a child periodically, like for a period of time, they went into another aisle, you didn't know where they went, and panic just settled in. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do get scared. And so panic just settled in, and, and I was nervous, and my wife said, I'm going to go to the school, and I was chasing the bus, just like, I got to catch this thing. I need to know if he's in there. Not one time when he was separated from me that I just think, I got two more kids. I don't need him. <laughs> Not one time that I take the other two girls and say, you know what? They in there. They're good. Don't worry about Evan. I got them. And unfortunately, when it comes to the body of Christ and when it comes to Christianity and when it comes to Christians, we get so in love with the people who already are in the family that we forget that who is really important are the one that has been still out and about. And so we don't want to ever, going forward, you don't want to ever, as Connect starts to prepare to launch another campus and do whatever it is that you guys are going to be doing to grow and to develop, never forget it's not about you. Jesus said, I would leave the 99 behind in search of one person. So if you're here for the first time, 
I welcome you. I salute you. I'm awfully sensitive to you. And wherever your church experience may be like, hopefully I don't freak you out or anything like that. But it's my objective to let you know that I know what it's like to be you. And, and, and you may not know what it's like to be me as a Christian, but it's a good thing. You, yeah, you want to experience. Actually, the Bible says taste and see. <laughs> that the Lord is good. Uh, I'm one of those people that like to try everything when I go to the mall. You want some? Yeah. And I don't leave his side. I'll be right there. I'm done with this one. Can I get another one? That's me. I like to taste. And I want you to try God out and let, uh, just allow him to just impact your life because things will begin to radically change. And like I said, we don't have to invite God here. He's already here. The Bible says, again, I tell you that when two of you on earth agree, as in touch it, it will be done for you by my Father, which is in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And as I started to think about what am I going to share, I knew that Pastor D, oh, by the way, wherever Gretchen is, all those CDs that you left on that back table back there, they're all in my bag. I stole them. So <laughs> you're going to have to replace those. I said, oh, the whole series? Give me that. I don't have anything in my car, neither. I know what we're listening to on the way home. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, that downtime in your car, for those of you who got commutes, never waste that time. Sit around listening to Romero run his mouth all day long about foolishness. I mean, WAAF and Mantown, just wasting your time listening to that. You might as well, if you got an hour, empower yourself with something that's going to develop your life. The moment you get out that car, maximize. The Bible talks about maximizing time. And, and I'm, I would say I'm rambling, but I'm not because it's really in the word and I don't know where I'm going. So you're just going to have to roll with me because I got the mic. <laughs> but the Bible says it, it talks about redeeming the time. Ephesians chapter 5, redeeming the time because the days are evil. If we was to translate that into normal English, he just says make the most of every opportunity. Don't waste time. And I don't know about you. Some of you know my story. And I, I had time snatched away from me. And I don't want to, I find myself just wanting to maximize time. I close my eyes. And when I wake up, I'm like, what's on my agenda today? Things got to get done. So if you got those hours because you got to commute, you got 40 minutes here, you got 30 in the car on the way, coming back, just try to strategize and structure that time where you take, you make the most of it that you just don't allow it to be wasted, where you allow your spirit and your mind to be contaminated with, you know, all these booty-saking songs that are on the radio. You know what I'm saying? You can't, come on, let's be honest. Maximize the time. There's only so much you're gonna shake your tail before you get tired and, you know, it'll be, it'll be on there in the morning again and how much of that can you actually do? You know, come on. Build your inner man up by, by, by just making sure that there's quality stuff on that radio coming into your ears and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's good. And it's real. It's real. If you haven't heard, now you know. I'm, I'm just real. And it is real. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? He's been talking about it. I don't want to divert too far away from what the man of God has been we're bringing the, this particular body. So we want to grow proportionately. I don't mind staying on the same subject. And we're going to learn some more, maybe. Uh, through my experience and maybe my perception of what God has shared with me about the Holy Spirit. Maybe I'll say something in a different way that you might feel empowered and it might add to what Pastor Derek has been pouring into your life. Uh, Acts chapter 19. Now, as I, yeah, if you have your Bibles, I hope you have your Bibles. Came to SNL without your Bible. And you know, yeah, you know the scriptures aren't going to be on these screens here. Not today. Yeah, I'm a Bible person. I, I love a physical copy. I'm not a Kindle guy, though I own one. 
I, I'm not, and I'm nothing wrong with that. I, I got a U version. I just need a physical copy of the Bible. I need to be one of those people that flick through the pages. I need a Bible I can write in. I can, I can highlight you. And I recommend if you got a Bible you can't write in, throw it away and get something you can write in. You want to be able to develop a personal relationship with your Bible. God is using that word to speak to you. Um, or if it's on your phone or whatever, get used to that. Find out how you do that and do it well. Fall in love with that thing. Acts chapter 19. I'm, I'm wondering if we can... Man, never mind. I'm thinking too much. Yeah, I was going to have you guys participate with me. Have somebody read some verses. I feel like, like having like an intense Bible study. How about that? Like we just get in the Word. You want that? Let's just get in the Word and just like... Look, line upon line, precept, and just do some exegetical type of teaching where we just dissect it like a frog in biology or something and just pull this stuff apart and look at the, 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 what it says, the context. Acts chapter 19, let me get there. I was going to have somebody probably run around with a mic, have people read, but then that might take too much time. Acts chapter 19. Some of you guys probably read it because I've I seen some of the titles he had on those messages back there, and I'm assuming he talked about certain baptisms and things of that nature, even though we're not necessarily going to go there. But, but, but look at Acts chapter 19, starting from verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, while Apollos uh, was at Corinth, Paul took the road to, through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Most people are saved here at some point. Most people are saved there at some point. You, you have some concept and some understanding about the Holy Spirit. That's fair to say. Some people still might be in an embryonic stage where they're growing in the body of Christ, and, and you might just be learning more about that. But he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, yup. They answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. One of the most misunderstood people in your Bible is that of the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes he's misunderstood because he's never taught. And obviously not here. I know you guys got the same DNA that Excel Church has. Matter of fact, we do a lot of the same things and that, you guys are like a prototype for what we do. I'm going to keep running in and stick my head in and say, oh, that's how you do it? I'm going to run back and go implement it and then come back and say, what you do now? Oh, that's good. I'm going to go back and do that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not into trying to reinvent the wheel. If it's already working, I'm snatching that sucker, and I'm going to go make it work where I'm at. Yeah, I'm not into that. Some, some, everybody wants something new and something fresh, and sometimes we haven't even worked out what God has already given us. We always want something fresh. Have you done what God has already told you to do, even though you might think it might be antiquated or old? Yeah. Lord, I need a new word. You haven't even done what I told you last. Yeah, it's so true. We always want something fresh, and there's nothing wrong with that, to have that, that desire to want something that's new. But we want to make sure that we're implementing and put it into practice what God has already been revealing to us. But the Holy Spirit is something, no, we haven't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. A lot of times we're just ignorant to the things of God and the role of the Holy Spirit simply because he's not taught. And we want to talk about some things about that. Let's, just let's go back in time real quick. Let me just talk to you for a little bit about this whole concept about the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to try not to think too much about what I thought he might have covered with you, but when you go back to the beginning of time, it has always been God's desire to dwell with man. 
Always. God has a, a plan, and his plan is to be in, in, he wants to be so tight with you, it's crazy. I'm talking about tight relationship, tightly committed to you. He wants to commune with you. And that's why when God created Adam and he formed him, Adam was in his presence. You do know you can be in the presence of God, but not be filled with the presence of God. There is a difference. So God made Adam, but he wasn't filled with his presence. And so he's there. Yeah, you can be in church and be in the presence of God, but never experience what God is all about because you haven't let him in. So here's Adam in the presence of God and he's there. And then God breathes into his nostrils. And he became a living soul. He came alive. And now God, a part of, well, let's say God, God is in him. His spirit is communing with, with, with God's spirit. And now him and Adam, they together, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, just him and God, chilling, relationship, tight, homeboys, together. God talks to him. He talks to God. No divisions, no separations, no, 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 no disconnect, just relationship. All of a sudden, Adam, you know the deal. Come on, we'll talk to him about that when we get there. But Adam messes up. And as a result, there's a separation that takes place. Now God can't find Adam or, where are you? Where art thou? He runs away, he hides, he's afraid. There's a severance, there's a separation between him and the man that he created. The one he wanted to have this covenant of uh, relationship one. This one that God wanted to dwell in his temple and live inside there. Now, now there's some rules of engagement that now have to be in place because God has to do everything legally and do it the right way because God's a God of order. He's not going to just crush Adam, throw him away and start all over. So now there's rules of engagement. He says, now man has to be redeemed because I'm so in love for him. I need to buy him back. Hence, the process begins. Now, God can't live in the man that he's in love with because of sin. He wants to live in him. He wants to have a relationship with him. But there's this small little thing that's really a large, big thing called sin that stops him from living inside of the person he's in love with. Oh, man, this, this Puerto Rican is preaching already. I have, I, sometimes I get myself going. I'm like, this is bathroom time right now, just preaching. And so God wants to, he wants to be with this man. He wants to commune with him. He really wants to live with him. And then the time goes on where God says, okay, because only one person can actually redeem you and buy you back, but that's not going to happen until a period of time elapses. In the meantime, you still need me to survive. So time goes on. God calls a man named Moses. He says, Moses, I need you to come to the top of the mountain. Moses goes up there. We know that typically Moses gets what? Ten Commandments. We really know that. But a lot of times what we fail to understand is that God also gave him a blueprint to another thing he was supposed to build called the tabernacle. That's a whole nother issue. That's profound. Understanding that tabernacle, and I don't recommend that if you're a new believer, you go into the Old Testament and start there. Because once you hit the book of Leviticus, you might quit on Christianity overall. You might just give up. You see all this blood being thrown around and all these people being stoned and knocked in the head with bricks because you're like, whoa. I'm cool, God. You keep that. <laughs> so don't start there. You, are, you always start in the New Testament and understand Jesus' role and understand who he is. If you understand Jesus, you will understand God. If you understand Jesus, you will understand the Holy Spirit. Anytime you have a confusion about anything, always start with Jesus. Always. 
Just go right to your New Testament, see how Jesus would say it, see how Jesus would handle it, see how Jesus would respond. And if you can understand that, you will understand God better. You will understand the role of the Holy Spirit better. So all these people who want to debate and argue about God and the Holy Spirit, well, that's not how I see it. Just look at Jesus. And he's going to give you some clear understanding about what the role of the Holy Spirit is and also what the role of God is, because obviously they're all part of what we call in theology the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So now Moses is supposed to build this tabernacle. And in this tabernacle, God says, okay, I got a building that I'm going to temporarily dwell in, and we're going to put me in there. I'm going to show up in this smoke that's going to be on this chest. We're going to call that the Ark of the Covenant. There's going to be a little gold seat there with some angels, some smoke coming up. The smoke represents me. Ha, that's God. <laughs> Nobody could get to God. You got to keep going to a man. And as a result, that happened for long periods of time. Blood had to keep getting shed and yada, yada, yada. Read it. It's in your Bible. So time goes on. Eventually, this portable church called the Tabernacle eventually stopped in its existence because David shows up. He's got some money. He says, no, 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 we're going to be doing that no more. No more traveling time for a permanent facility. Thank you, Jesus, when my time will come for that. <laughs> permanent facility. So David comes up. Amen. He's, he's with me. That's Excel. That's what I say. Small little accelerators right there in the corner. So David comes around. David has some money. He says, we're going to build this temple because I want God to have the best. So he builds this temple. Once again, the temple is the exact same thing of the tabernacle. God now dwells in this temple. Now he's in a nice looking house now, not just something in a wood somewhere running around in the tent. So now God's got some uh, gold and he's got everything else. Eventually, that gets the torch and it gets destroyed. Solomon comes around. Solomon rebuilds it again. It was built multiple times. Eventually, this guy named Herod comes up. He's trying to win the favor of the Jews, and he eventually he builds it one more time, and that's in the life of Jesus before they torch it down again. The Romans come and do that, and that happened during, you can find that historically. You don't have to look in your Bible. So God is trying to dwell in these temples constantly because he needs people to have access to him constantly. And so they have to come through the priest. The priest goes to the temple on behalf of the people, and this happened for years, but that wasn't God's design. Because ultimately, God was trying to get back inside you like he was inside Adam in the beginning. Somebody had to correct this process. Ha! This is where Jesus comes in. Jesus slides in on the scene. I'm going to take care of everything. Goes down hell. Tears some tail up. And he says, listen, give me the keys. <laughs> this is the Emmy unauthorized version right now. We're just expediting this process. It's all in your Bible. I just said it a different way. So the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, if you want to be specific, that he goes down into hell. He disarms principalities and powers. He snatches the keys. He says, I'm out of here. And he breaks out. He defeats. Breaks out means he left. He broke out. He, he left. And, and he eventually uh, destroyed hell, the grave, the sting of death, et cetera, et cetera. When he does that, something significant takes place where Jesus now shows up. He's, he's commercializing himself for 40 days. He shows people that he resurrected from the dead, walking through walls, eating fish sandwiches, letting people know that I'm alive. Touch me, Thomas. I'm here. Now, after all of that is done, after all of that is done, 40 days he showed himself alive. He disappears, ascends into heaven. They sit around and wait for 10 days. 40 plus 10 is what? All my mathematicians in the building. 40 plus 10 is 50. 50 is the number of Pentecost. That's what Pentecost is. So 50 days after he resurrected from the grave, we experience Pentecost. On that day of Pentecost, all of a sudden, they hear the sound 
they now know. Now, this is, let me, let me give you something else. Let me give you, this is for my deep studiers, for people who really love to go deep in the Bible. What you got to understand is that the tabernacle that Moses built in the Old Testament was already sitting in heaven. There was a physical copy down here, but it really was just a representation of the real thing that was in heaven. Oh, God, should I go this way? I think I'm about to go this way. <laughs> Let's just go. Let's just go. So just like there was that physical copy in the earth that represented the real thing in heaven, what happened was sometimes when the priest, the high priest, oh, man, let's do it. They, they used to tie ropes around the high priest. See, the high priest, if he disrespected the entrance into the tabernacle, if he disrespected anything, if he broke protocol and he didn't do what he was supposed to do, and that blood did not hit that, that, that Ark of the Covenant or that mercy seat, he would die in the presence of God. It's not, it's not that God wanted to kill him. It's that blood is the only thing that would make sin right. And God is so holy that if you didn't go in there with the blood and the blood didn't touch the seat, he would just drop dead. He also had bells around his garments, bells and pomegranates. And when, when nobody could go into this place with him, he would have to go in there by himself. He was called the high priest, not just the priest. He was the high priest. I'm going old school on y'all. So they go into the, into the, he goes in, he's got this rope around him. And as he would walk, you would hear what? The bells. You knew that the brother was still alive because you heard a sound. Somebody say, you hear sound. He would go in there, make atonement for the people, sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. It was divided by a curtain, so technically you shouldn't even see me because I'm back there doing business with God on your behalf so that you can get right. This is what they did in the Old Testament. So he's spreading the blood on the mercy seat to make atonement for the people. They would hear the sound of the bells and the people knew, whoo, he's still alive. That means my sins are okay this year. We'll do it again next year. That's really how it went down. If he disrespected protocol and the blood didn't hit the mercy seat, he would drop dead. They wouldn't hear a sound because they would have to drag his body out and say, just keep pulling. I'm not going in. So Jesus Christ leaves. He ascends. He pays the penalty of sin. He is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. So he goes and he takes his blood where you think he took it. There's a tabernacle in heaven, people. So he went and took the blood of the lamb himself, and he was the high priest. He was the lamb and the priest. And he went and offered himself up to heaven. And he went up to heaven, and I'm going to tell you what I think he did. This is not in your Bible. This is my interpretation of it, and I, it's an implication. You can't prove me to be wrong. <laughs> but I believe it. this is the way it is. If you understand Old Testament theology, and the high priest went up into heaven, and the Bible says, as the people down low were down there praying, waiting for this sign, he said, sit around and wait for the promise of my father, because in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they go and they ascend into, he goes and he ascends. And when he does, I think that the high priest went to heaven and he walked into the presence of God and he went up there with unblemished blood, God's DNA and walked up to the mercy seat and started to sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat. And I'm going to tell you what I believe happened. Not only did the curtain in the temple tear on earth, but I believe it tore in heaven. 
and the Holy Spirit or the presence of God that was sitting there waiting to now restore his relationship with Adam like he did in the beginning. Now that the penalty was paid for, now while they're sitting in the upper room praying, you can just hear. They said, what did it say in Acts chapter 2? That they heard a sound from where? From heaven. Something was going on in heaven. They heard a sound in heaven. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to imply the sound was. They heard the bells ringing. Yeah, they knew that the high priest was still alive. Jesus had accomplished his mission, and now the Holy Spirit was released to go back into people like he was in Adam in the beginning of time. Yeah. I just did all that research and crushed it up for you for free. That's why I don't get mad at people who write books. They do all the work to just sell it to you for $10 so you don't have to run around and go do all the research. Let them earn some money off that labor. <laughs> all to restore and reestablish relationship with you because ultimately the goal was not to dwell in a temple made by the hands of people, not to dwell in a physical structure. God says my ultimate love is to sit with you. I want to live in you. People, 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 you are walking around as believers, as carriers. That's why the Bible calls you temples of the Holy Spirit. You're temples. You're walking around with God on the inside of you. Oh, my God. If we was to spend time really thinking about the fact that we were a holy temple and it actually became a reality to you, we wouldn't do a lot of things that we do. We need more time spent with God so that the Holy Spirit can reveal more of himself and you start having a new identity. You start, instead of going through these identity crises, not recognizing who you are, start spending more time with God and he will reveal to you who you are. And you'll start changing your life all because of revelation. All right, we got to get more into this word here. Let's look at some things. The Old Testament, I, I want you to go to, um, what are we going to do here? What are we going to do here? Let me check my time too. She said, oh, it doesn't matter. It's people like you that keep me going. I'm going to stay right around you. <laughs> And the people who got to go, I got to stay away from. No, I'm only playing. Let, let's, let's look at, let's look at uh, Acts chapter 11 real quick. But let me mention some things when you go to Acts chapter 11. I want to talk to you about a word that's in your Bible that some of you are aware of. You hear a lot about it in church, but I just want to ex explain it to you. Um, uh, before I do, let me just say this. The Old Testament is normally seen as the works of the Father. The New Testament can be seen as the works of Jesus Christ. And after the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 in particular, from then forward, we're in a dispensation or a period of time called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, this is the era right now where God, through his spirit, wants to do things through you. Yeah, that deserved more than those two amens. God, yeah, let me just say that again. The, the Old Testament reveals a lot of the works of the Father. The, the Gospels reveal the works of Jesus Christ. But this new dispens this dispensation that we're in right now reveals the works of the Holy Spirit, and he can only do that through you. He, he, he can only do, he wants to do that through you. 
The problem with that is, is that sometimes we don't really understand. I don't believe that we have a, a deep enough revelation of what God really wants to do in your life and through your life. That's why we sit on the Holy Spirit and we don't really want to act like we hear him. We don't want to move when he tells us to move. That's why we're not seeing a lot of the miracles that, that the Bible talks about, even though the Bible's, even though everything in the Bible is relevant to right now. Yeah, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means what he did back in the days, he could do today. Yeah, that means if you read some, if you read in the Bible where somebody had a disease and then all of a sudden he didn't have it because Jesus rebuked the disease, he could do that today. I don't know who got cancer in your family, but that can go today. Some people couldn't say amen to that right now because that just seems so far-fetched. And that's only because you haven't really been connecting yourself with the force of power called the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of you. I'm, I'm serious about this, people. They, they said that my son was supposed to die. He spent the night last night at somebody's house. They could have fooled me. He's still living. He's not dead. I laid hands on a man who had a hole in his throat. Was, he, was, he had this, this, this breathing apparatus that he had to carry around to assist him in breathing. I laid hands on that man on his face. I can't even remember what I said because I think I was praying in the spirit for a little while during that process. I seen him the next day leaving the hospital and he said, Emmy, Emmy, they said I don't need this, this breathing assistance anymore. Yeah, woo is right, son. You better get that right. If I could flip, I would do it right off this. And then you have to lay hands on me and pray for me after that one. We use a word in church that, that I want to talk about. How many people heard the word anointing? Anointed. Anoint. Anytime you hear the word anointing, it basically means the presence, power, and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Anointing means the presence, power, and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Anointing means the presence, power, and ministry of the Holy Spirit. The presence, the power, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Okay, with that being said, let's define what the word anoint means real quick before we go any further. Am I boring you? Okay, good. That's a good response there. That means I can keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. The word anoint just on a superficial term just means to rub to smear, to pour on. So I can take this water, and, and just because it's water, and I can take it, and I could just smear the water on my face, and that would be, I would be anointing my face. I could take this water and just rub it, just rub it on you. That I, that I would be anointing you. General term, to anoint. Let's look at Acts chapter 11. When you get there, let's look at verse, let me get there. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Where are you? Okay, it says, oh, am I in the right book or what? What am I doing here, son? <laughs> Born to him, Antioch, for a whole year. Born as a soul, met with the church, saw a great disciple. Yeah, that was it. Verse, uh, verse 26. <laughs> verse 26. And when they found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. Uh, uh, and Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Look at this. And the disciples were first called what? Christians. Were first called what? Christians. They were first called Christians at Antioch. They were first called Christians at Antioch. They were first called Christians at Antioch. Huh, let me see which way I want to go with this. Let's, let's talk about Christians. In our, today, in our culture today, we say Christians. Most people in America will say, yeah, I'm a Christian. 
And I'm, I'm going to suggest to you that the numbers align to us because most people who are raising their hands are really not Christians. Christian is not just become you, you come to church. That doesn't make you a Christian. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. That doesn't make you a Christian. Yeah, there has to be a defining work on the inside of you that, that you have to be brand new on the inside. There's a change that takes place through your acceptance of Christ. But when he comes in, yeah, something takes place. God is now, yeah, he's sitting in. He's coming in. He's moving in. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. A footnote. This is a sidebar for those of you who are taking down notes. The Spirit of God doesn't save you. I like to say that and just let it sit for a minute. So people are like, what? That's not true. The Spirit of God doesn't save you. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves you. Yeah, the blood of Jesus Christ saves you, and then the Holy Spirit comes and seals what the blood has already saved. Yeah, so it's the blood you have been redeemed. If you have not been redeemed by precious gold and silver, what did Peter say? But by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you've been redeemed by the blood. And then after you've been bought back by the blood, the Holy Spirit now comes and seals what the blood has already saved. With that being said, you are a Christian. Let's define Christianity. The word Christian comes from the word Christ. When we talk about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Like I'm Emmy Vasquez, you know, he's Jesus Christ. That's not how it is in the scriptures. I don't even know what his last name was. Imagine that. But Christ was a description about Jesus. It described to us who he is, who he was. It was a depiction and a description of this person who came from God. He was Jesus the Christ. That's why sometimes in the letters you will see it say Christ Jesus. When you define Christ, it means this. Anybody know? The anointed one. The anointed one. The anointed one. In the Hebrew, they used the word Messiah. In the New Testament, they called him the Christ, which basically mean the same thing, that he was anointed, that he was the anointing, or he was the anointed one. So when people call themselves Christians, in essence, in the full definition of the term, you are in essence declaring that you are anointed. But anointed with what? With water? Anointed with what? Kool-Aid? Uh, anointed with what? What am I anointed with? You know, a chicken grease, you know, because we, we throw a lot of oil around in church. You know what I'm saying? We need oil for everything. But anointed with what? What are we anointed with? Jesus is the anointed one. We call ourselves Christians. Are you declaring that you are anointed? Let's look in the Bible and see what the Bible says about the anointing. Uh, run with me real quick. Go to Isaiah, Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 10. I'm going to have you run through your Bible if you don't mind. Some of these verses I could easily quote, but it defeats the purpose of you developing a relationship with your book. Or your phone. <laughs> or your tablet. Acts chapter 10. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. See that? Checking you. Just checking you out. Seeing if you're paying attention. Are you paying attention? I'm going to read this verse out of a King James Version, New King James Version. Some of your other verses may use the word fat. Yes, I said fat. It's going to use that word. So in Acts chapter... Sorry. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, the Bible says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Some translations say that, that it will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Because in the Old Testament, oil was symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm giving away. I, I just gave it away. I just gave it away. 
But anyways, we'll make our way there. According to this verse, the anointing has the power to remove burdens and destroy yokes. A burden, anything that's weighing you down, a burden, anything that, that, that's oppressing you, depressing you. Yeah, that, those are burdens. Depression is a burden. A yoke, anything that you are yoked up with. Sometimes you could be yoked up with addictions. Yeah, it won't let you go. At least it's telling you it's not going to let you go. And you're yoked up. According to what we just read, the anointing has the ability to remove burdens and destroy yokes. That's a good thing. We just need to identify what, what this anointing is so we can get some burdens to be removed and some yokes to be destroyed. So we move on a little bit further. I want you to go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Now, once again, I can quote these verses. I just want you to see this for yourself. I want you to explore it. I want you to mark it in your Bible. Acts chapter 10. The, the Peter is in the book of Acts. I mean, yeah, well, he's in, he's in Cornelius' house, and he's talking to these brothers about Jesus Christ. God had a divine uh, connection take place where Cornelius and these Italians met up with these Jews. God was letting Peter, this, you know, Peter was racist. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Read your Bible. He was racist. <laughs> you don't want to say that. He was. He struggled with it his whole life until later on. You see Paul checking him in the book of Galatians. Yeah, read your Bible. It's in there. All right, so Acts chapter 10. So he starts talking to them about Jesus, and listen to what he says about this Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says this. This is Peter talking. How God, what? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and healing everybody who was oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Good. I want to read it again. Listen, I want to read it again. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. What did he anoint him with? What did he, what did he rub on him? What did God smear on him? What did God put on him? How God anointed him with the how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then as a result of having that Holy Spirit and that power, Jesus was able to go around and do good. That's what the Holy Spirit is for, to do good and to go around healing everybody who's oppressed of the devil because God is with him. When we start talking about the anointing, it's not Jesus's last name. It's who he is. And what you need to understand is that when you got saved and you have invited Christ into your life, the Bible says God has marked you with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is now living on the inside of you to do exactly in your life what he did in the life of the Christ. He wants to go around in your life and assist you to do good and to heal everybody who's oppressed of the devil because God's with you. See, you got to internalize the Bible and put your name in it. When you see that verse, you need to switch it. How God anointed Emmy with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Emmy went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Yeah, that's what you got to do. If your name is Pookie, you put your name in there. You say how God anointed Pookie with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Pookie go around doing good and healing all. Let me tell you something about faith-filled confessions. 
We have to learn this art. The Bible talks about speaking to yourselves with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Listen, psychologists today are discovering something that God has already been talking about, that there is a benefit in, in self-affirmation and building yourself up and talking to yourself in a positive way. Well, let me tell you something. When you take the Bible and you put your name in it because it's written to you and you begin to declare how God anointed me with the Holy Spirit. Imagine if you said that five times before you left the house. You might leave the house with a better attitude than you've been leaving with lately. Instead of saying, well, you know what, don't talk to me right now until I get my coffee. No, all that out the window, you'll be like, listen, I'm ready for today because God anointed me with the Holy Spirit and with power. And I'm going to go around today and I'm going to do good. And I might heal some folk today. Watch out. Uh, yeah, I might, God might use me to lay hands. God might use me to pray for somebody. God might use me and I'm expecting God to do something good. Yeah, because the reason why, listen, Jesus was a limited resource. I know people would love to see Jesus today. But, but please, you need to desire more of the Holy Spirit, not more of Jesus. I know that sounds tough. Let me, let me back it up. I got to. You're looking at me kind of crazy. Let's go to John chapter 16 real quick. I, I just want to go there real quick. You do. You want more of the Holy Spirit, not the physical embodiment of Jesus. Jesus was a limited commodity. He can only get to so many places in so much time. He can only do but so much as one man. That's why he said it is important or expedient that I leave. He says it's real important that I go because if I stay here, I'm doing you a disadvantage because, you, number one, you will never reconnect back with the Father. And number two, you will never be empowered to live the life that I'm calling you to live. Do you not know that Jesus said in John chapter 14, you don't go there, go to 16. But in John chapter 14, the Bible says in verse 12, he who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I go unto my father. Do, did you understand the words that came out of my mouth? <laughs> did you hear what he just said? He who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Stop. Do you know what he did? He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to my father. Guys, we've been empowered to do greater works than Jesus Christ. This may sound a little absurd, but it's not. Because you got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. People, when you call yourself a Christian, redefine the term. Redefine the term, separate politics, separate the religion, separate how people define Christianity and see yourself when you declare, I am a Christian. You are in essence saying, I am anointed. Anointed with what? Anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And I go around doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil because God is with me. Amen. If you started saying that to yourself all the time, when your kids showed up and said, dad, I'm feeling sick, come here, boy. <laughs> God anointed me. I know you got a headache right now, but you ain't feeling your leg anymore, are you? <laughs> oh, God, I'm funny. I made myself laugh. I just. I said, go to John 16, right? What's my time? Let me think about what I'm doing here. Are you getting anything out of this? John, uh, let's, let me just prove my point about what I said, that you want more. You want the Holy Spirit and, and not so much wait around for Jesus because he ain't coming back. You know the Bible says that he went to go sit. <laughs> it sit permanently. He ain't getting back up. Nuh-uh. When he hung on that cross and did all that work for you and he shouted, I am finished, he meant it. I am done. And he went and sat down and he ain't getting up no more. 
he is not getting up. And the revelation out of that is, stop begging for him to come back and do things in your life that he has already done. Learn how to start receiving and believing that the work is finished. That, that's a whole other issue because my mind starts running about the finished work of Christ. And, and a lot of us think that God needs to still heal us and God needs to still deliver us when in reality he has done it. We just haven't received it yet. But that's a whole other subject all by itself. Um, John, what did I say, 16? Let me get there with you. John, and you got to understand, I, this, most of this is not in my notes. And I just, I was praying. I was like, Lord, I, I, I don't know what to do. Should I be so systematic and follow my notes or should I go with my heart? And I'm just going with my heart. Uh, John chapter 16. I'm going to look at verse 12. Listen to this. He says, I have much more to say to you. This is John chapter 16, verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when he, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I love it. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. I like that. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. He said in a little while, look at that verse. In a little while, you will see me no more. Then after a little while, you will see me. See, you got to understand the Godhead to, to, to not be confused by statements like that. He says, you're going to see me right now, but then I'm going to leave. But when I come back, you're going to see me in a different form. Because the God, God the Father is, is the God the Son and God the Holy, it's just all together. But he came back and now the Holy Spirit is in action, people. He wants to be relevant in our lives. The world is desperate for something. You know what I've discovered in the process of launching this church? that people don't want facades, fraudulence, or foolishness. They don't want fake, they want real. People are tired of religion. They're tired of all this stuff that they're seeing. They're not getting answers. People are failing them. And I'm telling you what they need, they need the Holy Spirit. But they don't realize that a lot of religion has discredited the role of the Holy Spirit. They made them look spooky. They have. They, 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 there was a guy who just died recently because he was a preacher, a pastor someplace, and he was always playing with these snakes and all that, you know? And there was people, when I launched my church, you got to understand something. When I launched this church, it wasn't all as hyped up as you think it was. When we dropped 50,000 mailers in that community in the Worcester County over there, and people started receiving these flies in the mail, not only were people excited, and I got emails galore. They was, oh, I'm excited. People coming to church, starting church. They need a church. Yay. And there was some other people that was like, boo, what are you doing here? Are you, and this is one of the first things that I heard, are you one of those snake-carrying churches? And in my heart, I just said, I'm not going to get offended at that. We have to help redefine how they see church. Somebody has wounded them. Somebody did something freaky. Somebody did something silly. Somebody misrepresented the Holy Spirit in some way, and they thought that their acrobats and their carnivalism and, and throwing snakes around and all of that was a, was a move of the Holy Spirit. And, they, and then people distanced themselves from that because that's not a tractional church. No. That's zoo. <laughs> And, and with all due respect, I don't say this to be disrespectful. You, you come on, you running with snakes, you're going to get bit. That's what happened. He, and I believe that if he was saved, you know, he goes home to be with the Lord just a little bit early. That's it. 
Uh, look at Luke chapter 4. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Focus. Luke chapter 4. I'm going to mention this verse. I'm going to mention some descriptions about the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to land this plane and let you go home. I love your heart. I know it sounds like it's going to go through fast, but it might take me forever just to get out this verse right here. Luke chapter 4. I want you to see something. Luke chapter 4. The Holy Spirit is real. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is real. I met, I met with some men recently. We met together at a friend's house just the other day, a handful of us. Just, just talking, trying to build each other up and encourage people who were there. It was just a handful of us. It wasn't technically a small group. We didn't launch it, though that's what it was. And in the process, you know, we had a Bible, so that had to get cracked open. Yeah, you can't have Christians up in the building and not pull out that sword, <laughs> the sword of the Spirit. We pulled it out, started dealing with some stuff. And I was just so, I was just so impressed after I left because God moved and, and, you know, some of us was already filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was so glad to see somebody's heart who had been seeking God get filled with the Holy Spirit right there while we were praying. We were just praying. He just started speaking in other tongues. That's not, what all due respect, once again, if you're new to church, I can understand if you would think that that would be weird. It's just that you really don't understand what the scriptures teach about that. And I would understand that you would understand or think about it like that because I used to think about it like that too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sensitive to that. But, but nonetheless, my ignorance didn't stop God from moving even back then and it didn't stop, won't stop him now. He will still move and be God as long as you can believe him to be God, he'll show up. God is looking for people to believe him and to trust him. And he'll believe, I mean, he'll meet you at that level of expectation. In Luke chapter 4, I want you to see something. The anointing is real. Being anointed is something that God wants you to experience, understand, and fully walk out in your life. And I am having a tough time finding Luke. Luke chapter 4. I want to jump down. Jesus says this. Go up to verse 16. It says that when he, talking about Jesus, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Huh. Church was a regular thing for Jesus the Christ. That's what's up. You need to make it yours too. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So he found himself in the scriptures. Oof. Food for thought. You need to find yourself in the scriptures. So, so, so the Bible says that he found himself in the scriptures, and the Bible says that he found this passage right here. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Anytime you see the anointing, you will see the anointing is the presence, power, and ministry of the Holy Spirit. You can't separate the two. So anytime you see the anointing, you will see the presence or the, the spirit of God, and anytime you see the anointing, you will see answers being delivered. The Holy Spirit is attracted to problems because he knows he has the answer. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit is attracted to problems. So you need to take comfort when you hear that because once you get a revelation that the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of you, anytime you are confronted with a problem or a dilemma, you should be ready to walk into the face of the storm and say, we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure this out. I'm not supposed to lose. You got, oh God, we sang the song. I can't, there was the second song that we sung about how Christ raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead because of the Holy Spirit. Read it. It's in Ephesians chapter one. God exerted his power, the Holy Spirit in Christ when he raised them from the dead. And he took that same power and put it in you. You've got resurrection power on the inside of you 
that people allow to lie dormant and we never tap into it because of a lot of reasons. Unbelief, insecurity, I don't believe it. Well, maybe it's not me. Or he doesn't know what I did yesterday. And no, 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 it's there. You didn't earn it. The Holy Spirit can't be earned. It was something that was given to you for free because Jesus did all the work. Now, all you got to do is just walk in that reality and start tapping into it. Start realizing that the Holy Spirit is there. And he's not an it, by the way. The Holy Spirit is not a force. And with all due respect, I could say this. The Holy Spirit is not power, though he does give power, though he does empower. But you can't just limit him to power because he's more than that. If you just said he was power, then you would rob him of a personality, which would mean that he was an it, not a person. But the Holy Spirit is a person. He thinks, he feels. The Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He has feelings. Yeah, you can grieve him. The Holy Spirit is intelligent. He can think. The Bible says, oh, God. There's just, just, just so much to this. Let me finish reading the verse. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. Remember, the Holy Spirit is in your life to bring answers, not problems. He's in your life to bring answers, not problems. He's in your life to bring deliverance. He's in your life to help, not hurt. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Yeah, yeah, what are you bound to? Can I be real? Somebody say preach, Puerto Rican. What are you bound to? What's on that computer? He's here to bring freedom to the prisoner. What are you bound to? He's here to bring freedom to the prisoner. Yeah, you can be saved and still struggle with addiction. And I challenge you to come out of that secret world. Yeah, secrets make us sick. And as long as you keep it in the dark, it's easy for it to just fester and grow in that incubator. It's got to be exposed to the light in order for it to be dealt with. And I know that's embarrassing sometimes. I know you don't want to be exposed, but if it stays in the dark, it's going to get worse. It only can get healed if it's in the light. Whether that be pornography, whether that be drugs, whether that be any form of addiction, you got to pull it out in the light. He wants to send recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Answers, answers, answers. The Holy Spirit is attracted to problems because he is the solution. He wants to set it free. Whatever it is, the answer is right inside you. That has to be meditated on because not everybody going to jump out the building on that one. You have to really meditate on that to realize I'm walking around with an abundance, a plethora of resources on the inside of me. Let me show you that you are anointed. Go to, first, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I think it's in there. I'll find it when I get there. I want to show you that he, he called you anointed, not just Jesus. He called you anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. He called you the, 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 the holy temple that's walking around with this, uh, the Old Testament called it the Shekinah glory, what God's weight on the inside of you. You know God's a big God. Oftentimes, sometimes I'll pray and I'll say, God, live big amongst us. He is on the inside of you. He's here on the inside of you, wanting to deliver you, wanting to set you free. We need more of a revelation of who the Holy Spirit is in our lives. I think that we would stop living defeated lives. We would stop quitting on ourselves. We would stop not believing in ourselves if we knew that we had the non-quitter on the inside. Imagine if you really did have a revelation of the Holy Spirit who saw you beautiful, 
who saw you as a champion, even if you felt weak. The Holy Spirit always brings solutions, never problems. That's why when you see God show up to people in the past, in the Old Testament, he never approached them with problems when they had problems. He always brought solutions to the table. So when God showed up to Gideon, Gideon was already insecure. You don't really want me. I'm the least in my clan. I'm lame. I can't fight. God said, shut up. You're a mighty man of valor. I don't see you the way you see you. I see you the way I see you. And if you can start seeing you the way God sees you, it'll revolutionize your life and your confidence level will jump from five to 10 today. It would. God sees you as beautiful. He does. Let me read 1 Corinthians chapter one. Oh my God, it's seven o'clock. I lost track of time. I, you know, I broke my watch. You think I did that on purpose, didn't you? Nah, I really did. It popped off one day I was preaching. It's 7 o'clock. If you have to go, you can go. I'll, I'll mention a couple more verses, and then I will get out of your hair. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at verse, uh, let's jump down to verse 19 real quick. I, I need you to see that you are anointed. Uh, 19, 19. For as it is written. Am I in the right chapter? No, no, no. Hold on a second, y'all. Yeah, it's 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. See, that's why you got to know your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to start from verse uh, um, 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. That's the whole issue. And so through him, the, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, it is God who makes us, both us and you, stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He anointed us. He anointed us. What is the anointing? The presence, power, and ministry of the Holy Spirit. He anointed us and what? Set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He anointed us. Yes, he anointed us. He anointed us. I'm doing this right now just in your presence, and I'm not doing this because I'm just trying to be cute. I'm really, this is how I do. I'm not supposed to lose. Yeah, I'm not supposed to lose. I mean, this church will be successful. I say that for Connect, too, but I'm, I'm having a personal moment right now. I just got a little brief revelation right now. I'm not supposed to lose. I'm anointed. I'm a, I don't say that as arrogance. I say that because I know who I am in him, not in myself. If I said it in myself, it would be pride. It would be ego. It would be narcissism. But if I say that in him, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm anointed and I'm not supposed to lose. You're not supposed to lose. Losing is not on God's radar for your life. You are supposed to win all the time. 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 Sometimes you got to keep saying this to yourself. Emmy, you're supposed to win all the time. All the time, I'm supposed to win. And if I fail, I need to do like they did in the Old Testament. Rend my garments and look at God and say, God, what's going on? What did I do or what did someone else do? But what's up with this? Because losing is not an option. I'm supposed to win. I am. I'm supposed to win. I'm supposed to win. I'm not supposed to lose. My God, that's good. You do that to build confidence all day. You feeling insecure? Keep saying that. I'm not supposed to lose. Anything you struggle with in regards to your insecurity, get, tell yourself the opposite. I'm pretty. Look at that face. 
I'm pretty. Now, if that's your struggle, you know, you want to say that. You do. You want to look at this and say, listen, God made me in his image and in his likeness. Bye, out. Look at that. You know, <laughs> we all got our insecurities. You see this snot box right here? I look at that nose sometimes and I'm like, good Lord, Lord, what you doing? Pull it back in. <laughs> you know that certain priests in the Old Testament were exempt from operating as priests if they had a really long nose? That's why God saved this priesthood for me later on in, a, in, a, in a America, not back in the days. He was like, listen, you're going to be a New Testament priest, not, not an Old Testament one day. <laughs> that won't fly. That won't fly. I'm, I'm going to save you the embarrassment right now. Two things about the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to go. I, that's what they used to do a lot back in the days. Old, old school pastors used to close 17 times before they let you go. You've been in church for four and a half hours. I, I'm really going to let you go. Let, let me mention one thing about the Holy Spirit. One of his job descriptions, he does a lot of things. He's a teacher. He's a guider. He's a helper. The Bible says he's a comforter. He's the paracletus, the one who is supposed to run beside you like a coach and encourage you in life. He, he's all of that and, and more. The list goes on, but I'm only going to give you a few that I think God wants to, to share with you. Number one, God is the Holy Spirit is a revealer in your life. He wants to reveal things in your life. There are things that you do not know about. In Isaiah, you don't have to turn here, but in Isaiah chapter 46, the Bible says this, I make known the end from the beginning. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I make known the end from the beginning. Understand this about God. God lives in eternity. You do not. You live in time. God's eternal. So God gets to look down in your planet, in this limited bubble called time, and see your end from your beginning. He can see it all. And this is why you want to depend on the Holy Spirit, who is a revealer, because if you start to depend on him, the book said, we just read it in John chapter 14, that he will show you what is yet to come. He can tell you what your future looks like. You see, people, you got to believe this. He can reveal to you what your future looks like. He can reveal to you when homeboy who looks cute could potentially be crazy. Just because people quote scriptures in church don't mean they good to go. He could be cute worshiping God. You like, oh, my God, girl, look at him. He just loved the Lord. And I, oh, we are going to go Hercules, Hercules. And if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, that brother could turn out to be crazy. You know, emotional issues, emotionally dysfunctional, not really knowing how to handle a woman. He used to beat up the last one, but you never knew that. You want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and dodge through all the hype. The Satan knows scripture. That brother's good with the word. So don't let some of these people just throw up a few scriptures and think they can get your number. Brother, prove it over some time. Let me see you consistently come to church. Let me see you go. I'm talking to some young lady up in here. Yeah, let me see you do this consistently. Let me see you under pressure and see how you act not around me. Amen. Let me, yeah, don't be in a rush. Sometimes in relationships, we're sharing too much, too fast, too freely, and we wonder why we keep getting hurt. Back that thing up and slow down. And see, when I say back that thing up, some of you thought I was talking about the other thing. I'm talking about your life. <laughs> this whole section, I'm feeling this section right over here. There's something young. About here. Some of y'all don't know what's happening out there right now. There, there's something that's going on that. The Spirit of God wants to guide you into all truth. Let me say this about the Spirit of God. When he reveals things, he will never reveal. He will, the Spirit of God, when he talks to your spirit, he will never go against the written word of God. 
So this is where you start. You don't have to keep praying about it, baby, if it's in the book. If you see a clear-cut scripture in the written word of God that has already been inspired by the Spirit of God, if it's in here, you don't need to keep praying about it. Lord, I need you to answer me. No, it's in there. You just don't want to act like it's in there. <laughs> Lord, but he's so cute. He is married. <laughs> and according to the book, that's a no-no. But Lord, you don't understand. They're having trouble. And I, you know, this could be, I've been by myself for a real long time. You don't understand. No. No, it's in the book. Stop praying about it. Stop fasting. Get up, go eat a burger, because it's not happening. <laughs> it's, it's in the book. You'll be surprised how many people miss. You'll be surprised how people ignore the written word of God. It's in there. There's no need to keep praying about it. The Spirit of God will never contradict the written word of God. If it's in the book, it's a settled issue with God. But we do need this Holy Spirit because there are certain specifics about your life that the book does not reveal. Who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to live? What church am I supposed to go to? Do I take that job in California? Do I let the money pull me in that area or do I listen to the Spirit of God and let him reveal whether or not I stay home? Do I go to that school, that school, or that school? The Holy Spirit is here to reveal these specifics that the written word of God does not contain. This is why you need to spend time with him so he can speak to you about you. I love how people just say the Holy Spirit was talking to me about you. Now, I'm not saying that he can't give you what we call a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. I'm not suggesting that. But I find it off the, or, or, I just find it funny how God is always speaking to you so much about me when you haven't even got your life together. Like, you know, let him talk to you about you. And then you can share that about me after and I'll tell you if it confirms what he's already dealing with me in my life. But that's a whole other issue. He wants to illuminate and he wants to reveal. I will say that your answer is already here. It's just a matter of time before you seek out the Spirit of God for him to reveal what's there. When I say reveal, it's not like God created something like a magician and payow, it popped up. When you talk about revelation, revelation is just the uncovering, the unfolding. When the Bible says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, God already knew before the world would start it, that Jesus was going to have to die. It was just a matter of time before the Holy Spirit started to reveal to people who the Jesus was, who the Christ was, and over time through Apocrypha or Revelation revealing right here. If you see that right now in the light, but if I covered it, you couldn't see it. Your answer could be around. The Holy Spirit is just ready to reveal, just uncover what's already there. It could be possible that your answer is just one prayer away. Are you spending time with God for him to reveal your life. But it's going to be found in him. It's not going to really be found in church, though church is a conduit that will lead you to him. You, this is a personal decision to go after God and say, Lord, I need you to reveal my, my destiny. Reveal to me what is the plan for my life. Do I continue to do this right now? And if so, how long? Yeah. Reveal to me the people who are trying to set me up to fall, Lord. I want to cut some negative or harmful relationships in my life. God will reveal these things to you. Young people, seek out God so he can cut some of these parasites in your life who are just trying to pull from you just because they can get something out of you. God has a plan for your life, and you don't have to be 50 to discover that. You could be 15 and figure that out, David. Number two, real quick, he is a convincer. 
He is the convincer. He wants to convince you of who you are in Christ. He wants to convince you, people. He wants to convince you. We need more revelation of our identity in God. We need a new ID. We need to start seeing ourselves. Let me show you one verse. I'm going to end here. Let me give you one verse. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And when you get there, let's look at verse 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Glory to God. Are you getting anything out of this? Okay. You guys let me go a little bit further than expected and not nobody left. I wouldn't have been upset if you did leave. I was preaching earlier today, and I seen a handful of people get up and leave in the middle, and I got real insecure. I just kept preaching, act like I didn't see it, but I saw it, and unfortunately, somebody I was with took a picture, and I was like, what's that thing on the screen? He was like, oh, that was somebody's baby number they called, and I was like, oh, that's why they left. Oh. That's why they left. Look at you, insecure. First John chapter 4. This is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Hold on. No, in my first John chapter 4, what did I say? Verse 4. I read verse 2. Sorry. You, dear children, are from God. Oh, you know what? No, let me read that. Let me read that. Go back to verse 2, and then I'm really going to stop after this. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Matter of fact, go to verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Huh. Christ, the anointing, the Holy Spirit. This is the spirit of the Antichrist or those who are against the Holy Spirit, against his anointing, against the works of the Holy Spirit, huh? What you have heard is coming is now already in the world. Isn't it interesting today in this day and age that we don't have a spirit of anti-God? You can serve any God and be okay and be safe and be in neutral. But you start talking about Jesus the Christ, then we got some issues. The Bible warns us against the spirit of the Antichrist, not anti-God. There are things that are coming against the church in regards to the anointing and the Holy Spirit where people who are obviously operating under another influence do not want to see God's power manifest in this world. That's why this subject is so relevant. You can talk about any other religion out there and put it out on your lawn and you won't have any issues. You put up Jesus the Christ in a manger, they want to shout. You know, you start talking about Christmas, Christmas. Oh, let's cross out the X. Let's just call it Xmas instead of Christmas. Won't you say happy holidays? People are against the anointing and people don't even see it. Subtly just against it. Whether it's Christmas, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, people are against that. The spirit of the Antichrist is real. But let's go down to verse 4 so we can end this on a better, a better note. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I want to read it again. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 
You have the, yes, you have the greater one living on the inside of you. I told you you're not supposed to lose. You're not supposed to lose. Victory is yours all the time. It sounds arrogant, but it's not. It's confidence. I'm not supposed to lose. Greater is he that is within me. Greater is he that is within you. Young people still in college, greater is he that is within you. I cried my way through accounting, and the Holy Spirit helped me out. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Than he that is in the world. You're not supposed to lose. The Holy Spirit takes up residence inside you. Let's pray. Glory to God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you. Father, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you because we have a better understanding of the anointing. We thank you, Lord, because the anointing is that presence, the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are always welcome here at Connect. We thank you, Lord, because as everybody, as more people continue to come to Connect Community Church, I thank you because as Jesus is lifted up, you said that you will draw all men unto you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, because people's lives are being changed. People's lives are being empowered. I thank you because right now people's lives are being healed in the name of Jesus. Yeah, right now, in the name of Jesus. There are many ways to manifest healing according to Scripture where you can lay hands on people. You can just offer up the prayer of faith and the sick person will be made well. Right now, with, with no movement around and while we're just praying together, the, the, the prayer of agreement right now, Father, I thank you because healing is taking place. And if you need healing in your body, I just want you to raise your hand. We're going to pray. Whatever that healing is, maybe you need healing in your soul. In your soul, your emotions, your mind has been running wild. Maybe depression has been settling in. Maybe insecurities have been running wild. I, I want to pray for healing right now. If that's you, raise your hand. You don't have to get up. I want to pray. I just want to see the hands. Father, you see these hands. You see these hands. I thank you, Lord, because your anointing is moving right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you because you're touching everyone from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. I thank you because peace, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard their heart and their mind and their body in Christ Jesus. We come against physical problems and physical ailments right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, because minds that are broken are being mended together. Broken hearts are coming back together in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, because we're lifting up your name and we give you glory for what you're doing in this place right now. I thank you, Lord, for the abundance of testimonies that's going to come forth because they are experiencing the healing that they so desire. Father, you declared in your word that whatever we desire when we pray, that we should believe that we received it and we shall have it. Well, Holy Spirit, by faith, we thank you right now because you have healed these people. I thank you, Lord, because people are healed right now. People are healed right now. We worship you. We worship you. Because the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is living in us. And according to your word, it gives life to our mortal body through your spirit, which lives in us. So we celebrate you right now. We lift up you and you alone. You alone are God and besides you, there is no other. So you get all the glory and the praise. And we thank you for what you have done, what you are doing right now, and what you will continue to do. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. Yes, let's just celebrate the Lord right now.